Now here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. And Dr. Wooden will do that in a couple of minutes. But we begin at City Field where the Mets wanted to make it three straight over the Red Sox. And they felt pretty good with Jacob DeGrom on the mound. But the offense struggled early. DeGrom and the Mets down 2-1 in the fifth when Brandon Nimmo stepped to the plate. Gary Cohen with the call on SNY that tied the game at two. And then in the sixth inning, the, the rookie Jimenez tripled to deep center. Cano scored. That made it 3-2. But Seth Lugo came in the seventh, gave up a home run to Vasquez, a solo shot. That made it 3-3. Then the Met bullpen had some issues. They gave up a couple of runs. It was 6-3. Joanna Cespedes homered in the eighth inning to make it 6-4. And Nimmo scored on an infield single. The Mets had the bases loaded with nobody out. And they end up losing by the score of 6-5. to five. Tough loss for the Mets. And uh, Rich Catino will join us and give us information about that game at the bottom of the hour. Four-time All-Star and 2011 National League batting leader Jose Reyes officially announced his retirement from baseball in the Twitter post today. Reyes played in 16 major league seasons for the Mets, Blue Jays, Rockies, and the Marlins. He spent most of his big league career, of course, playing for the Mets. That's 12 years. Gave a special shout-out to Mets fans in his retirement post, quoting Reyes. Mets fans, what can I say? We never got the ring we hoped we would get, but I can't imagine playing in front of any better fans in the whole world. Your passion and energy always lifted me higher, and for that, I will always be grateful. Meanwhile, in Camden Yards, you know, last year, what was the Yankees' record against Boston? 17-2? and two? They peppered Camden Yards with home runs. All I'm looking at the screen, Kay and Cone and O'Neill are showing all these home runs. And then what happens when DJ LeMay, who steps up in the first inning? These are two and one on the season, as are the Orioles. And LeMay hits a deep fly ball right field. Let's see if it's fair. And it is a home run. I think it hit the pole. It did. A home run for LeMay. What a start to the game as he connects with the foul pole and the Yankees have a run. Oh, the home run barrage continue. Aaron Judge homered and so did the other Aaron. Hicks. And Hicks drives one to right field. Fair ball. It is gone. It is gone. A two-run home run for Hicks. And the home runs, same thing as 2019. Three in the game. The Yankees lead 5-1. to one. And the Yankees would roll by the score of 9-3. to three. Garrett Cole, six and two-thirds innings, four hits, three runs, all earned, two walks, seven strikeouts, and one home run. Uh, he was not happy with his performance. He's not been great. But listen, the Yankee offense has been very good, and so he just gets his second win of the season. The Yankees, of course, making adjustments, right? They were supposed to play the Phillies. Now they're going to play Baltimore. Now they're going to play the Phillies this weekend. So Brian Cashman, before the game, was asked, how do you deal with the uncertainty of who you're playing and when? No question. We're in a world where no one has dealt with anything like this before. So I think we all need to be pliable and be able to pivot and at least be open to adjust. And I'm really proud of our 
organization thus far from our owner Hal Steinbrenner who's been engaged with Rob Manford and all the way down into our player ranks you know when I get on the phone with our manager and ask 45 minutes before our bus is due to depart for New York what do you think if we instead pivoted and went to Baltimore so we could play some games down there and again everybody seems to be all in I got on the phone with Zach Britt same type of conversation same type of results he pulled his player uh, union group and and off we are you know I got Camden Yards in my background for a reason because it's off to Baltimore. All right, and of course, Zach Britton is the Yankees player rep. So, Cash, any concern playing in Tampa? I'm not focused on 10 days from now. Clearly, I know what's going on in Florida right now, but we are focused on trying to to take care of Wednesday, Thursday, and, and the coming weekend. And we're sitting there also dealing with Major League Baseball, how this affects the future schedule. So, first things first. And speaking of the future schedule, Jeff Passer was on SportsCenter, and he comments on how Major League Baseball is adjusting their schedule. It's confusing, and frankly, Major League Baseball and the Marlins and everybody attached to them at this point, Bucci, are just scrambling and trying to figure out what to do when there is an outbreak. And not just an outbreak, but an outbreak of this magnitude with 17 people in the Marlins organization. And the tentacles of this reach well beyond. They reach the Philadelphia Phillies, who the Marlins played. They reach the New York Yankees, who the Phillies were supposed to play, and the Baltimore Orioles, who the Marlins were supposed to play. And Major League Baseball figured it's easiest if the Marlins are going to be sidelined until Monday, if the Phillies are going to be sidelined until Friday, you might as well match up the Yankees and the Orioles. And that's a good thing for Glaber Torres, the way that we've seen him hit against the Orioles in the past. And not just him, as we found out. Moving to the NFL, Giants left tackle Nate Solder opted out of the 2020 NFL season today due to the COVID-19 pandemic, as you know. At 32, he is also a cancer survivor, which qualifies him as a higher risk in the NFL and NFL Players Association COVID amendments to the 2020 collective bargaining agreement. Nate Solder's five-year-old son, Hudson, also continues to battle cancer himself. Looks like that first-round pick, Andrew Thomas, is going to have to learn the left tackle position in a hurry. Dr. Alan Seals is the medical guy for the National Football League. He was on Golik Wingo this year, this morning, and he was asked... Could you lose games this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, we obviously recognize that that's a, that is a possibility. I mean, I think that the, the two words that I've used consistently and we've, we've all said have been flexible and adaptable. We're going to have to be flexible and adaptable throughout the entire season. And so we absolutely recognize there's a situation where we would not uh, think it's safe um, for, to, for a team to play or, or even for the league. So that's something that, again, we won't make that decision in isolation. Uh, we're going to take all of that data that we're collecting, being the testing and the tracing. We'll work with the NFL Players Association. We'll work with the infection disease experts, population health experts, public health authorities, and we'll make the best decision about what's safest for our players and all our personnel, as well as what's the most responsible course of action as, as members of the broader public health community, because we take that responsibility very seriously as well. So, Dr. Seals, sounds like you expect there'll be some positive tests. I think we recognize that uh, this is something we've talked about for a long time, that we expect in the NFL and in every league we're going to have positive cases. They're going to pop up no matter how careful we try to be because this disease remains endemic in our society. So I think what we have to look to is how can we most quickly identify any new positive case, get that individual isolated away from the team environment, make sure they get the appropriate care and, and try to avoid a more widespread outbreak. The NBA, where they are under a bubble, kind of, in Florida, Adam Silver was on Good Morning America, and he was asked, are you going to stop play if there's a major breakout? 
it's not an exact science because nobody's ever done this before. Um, And I think we have plans in place where we might pause, similar to what baseball is doing now. Probably if we had any any significant spread at all, we'd immediately stop. And one thing we do is try to track those cases to determine where they're coming from and whether there had been spread on the campus. I would say, ultimately, we, we would cease completely if we saw that this was spreading around the campus and, and something more than an isolated case was happening. So you have no issue with stopping if there's an outbreak on the campus? It's health and safety first. I mean, that's always been Mm -hmm. um, our our guideposts going into this. We've worked very closely with the Players Association and all the teams on this. And we know it's it's one thing we've always pointed out. It's about relative safety at this point. When you look at the high case rates, not just in Florida, but around the country, we also had significant numbers of players who tested positive between the time we shut down our season and when we started early July. So we, 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 we jokingly have said, but maybe it's not so funny that the safest place in the world may be on this campus at Disney right now. But if, if it were to turn out to not be the case, we certainly we would stop. Commissioner Adam Silver was on Good Morning America. He was asked about kneeling during the anthem and what his thoughts are if the players will do that. The NBA has had a rule on its books that, that preceded David Stern, which was standing for the national anthem. Um, having said that, I, I respect peaceful protest. I, I, I'm not sure what our players will do when they come out tomorrow night um, and will, of course, address it at the time. But I also understand these are highly unusual times. Now, you'll remember back in the day, Mahmoud abdul Rauf, Chris Jackson, was a person who had issues and did not come out of the locker room during the playing of the national anthem. He would come out after the national anthem was played. So we'll see what NBA players are going to do tomorrow night. Commissioner Silver commented on players using their platform for social justice. Right at the time we were making our plans to relaunch the season is when the death of George Floyd occurred. And I think it it frankly almost prevented us from relaunching the season, um, given the turmoil and how emotional people were around the league and around the country for that matter. And it was very important then as we came together to think about what we could do to use this platform to affect change. And I think, you know, messaging is just part of it, but as those images showed of the court, certainly says Black Lives Matter on the floor, plus players will be wearing messages on their jerseys um, you know, but but beyond that, we're working collectively, the 30 NBA teams on a foundation dedicated to economic empowerment, um, specifically focused on black Americans. So, I, as you said, this has been a part of the league forever. Adam Silver, who's been one of the commissioners in professional sports that seems to have his finger on the pulse of his his athletes that that are, you know, working in the NBA. And he's done a great job and he listens and they have an exchange and they feel comfortable talking to him. It's good to hear. Locally, Ian Begley from SNY was on with Bart and Han today from 1 to 3, Monday through Friday. And uh, Ian was asked, what do you expect from the Knicks this offseason? 
I don't think they're looking to hit a home run in free agency. You mentioned what Woj said. I agree with that. They're not there. Uh, so I think what they would do is you look at opportunities where maybe you get a player on a short-term contract. You can throw them a lot of money, uh, outbid your competitors, and bring them into your program and see if you can keep them there longer term. Maybe you look at trades. Maybe you look at bringing in a bad contract and acquiring a young player or a pick. I think those are the avenues you're looking at if you're the Knicks this summer. All right, so trades like who, Beggs? When you talk about trades for Mitchell or Booker, any of those young players, it's going to cost so much mm-hmm. to even start to have a conversation with those teams because with Booker, he's under contract for four more years. Mitchell, he's not even going to be a restricted free agent until next summer. So these guys are under team control. And I think if you're talking about trading for a player like that, you're going to have to include either an R.J. Barrett or a Mitchell Robinson in that conversation and multiple first-round picks. So it's going to cost you a ton. I think more realistically, you look at players who are going to hit free agency a little bit sooner than the two players that you mentioned. I think those are more realistic trade targets, a little bit less expensive trade targets for the Knicks if you're looking to see where they might go. All right, what's the latest rumors, Ian Begley? I think that there are fans of Christian Wood and the Nick organization, the young big man from Detroit. Um, so I think that's a name to keep an eye on. You know, I've, I've heard casually uh, that Danilo Gallinari is a name to keep an eye on. We all know, I don't know if we all know, but I know, and now I know you know, Carmelo Anthony, a uh, potential reunion there. That's yeah. something to keep an eye on. And there are people in the organization that think that trading for a Chris Paul, bringing Chris Paul into your building, really jumpstarts the winning culture that you're trying to build. There are people there that feel that he can really, really have a great influence on the young players in the locker room. So, you know, I would think they at least consider the possibility there, maybe see what it would take to pry Chris Paul from Oklahoma City in the offseason. I don't, I, I hope not. With all due respect to Chris Paul, once again, he's making too much money. You can't afford him. Is he going to restructure his contract? If he restructures his contract, I mean, I could think of nobody else to teach your point guard that you have and the one you're going to draft what to do. That's Top Stories. Thank you, JP, Giselle, and Kyrie.